This is Dr. Marv Rosenberg of the Safaris. I'd like to welcome you to another episode of the Anatomy of a Hit. And today we are going to dig in deep to the inside story of one of the greatest hits from 1956 that started it all for the king, Elvis Presley. Well, since my baby left me, well, I found a new place to dwell. Well, it's down at the end of Lonely Street, that heartbreak hotel where I'll be. I'll be just a lonely baby. Well, I'm so lonely. I'll be just so lonely. I could die. Yes, it's Heartbreak Hotel, the first big national hit for the King, which reached number one on the Billboard charts and remained there for eight weeks. The song was written by Tommy Durden and Mae Axton, who was the mother of the famous folk singer Hoyt Axton. Tommy Durden was a steel guitar player from Nashville who, before music, was a dishwasher repairman. Mae Axton was a songwriter who wrote some minor hits for country artists such as oh, Patsy Cline and Hank Snow. In late 1955, May took a part-time position as a public relations secretary for Elvis's manager, Colonel Tom Parker. And it was May Axton who introduced Elvis to the Colonel. On the Bob Berry's Unearthed podcast, May tells how she introduced Elvis to Parker. Listen. And she's the one that got Elvis Presley and his longtime manager, Colonel Tom Parker, together. How did you get the two of them together? Can you tell us that story? Well, uh, Bob Neal was a disc jockey at Memphis, Tennessee, a good friend of mine. And he had heard Elvis. Elvis had gone down to Sun Studio to cut uh, first, uh, initially, a record for his mother's birthday. And uh, then later, uh, Sam Phillips uh, just thought he was great and decided to record him. And Bob was a disc jockey, and he called me and said... Uh, May, I have a boy here, said he, he sort of has long hair and he wears uh, unusual clothes, said, but he is, I think he's a great entertainer, and I'm calling my friends to see if they can help me get him exposed, because I did PR work for Colonel Tom in Jacksonville, Daytona, and Orlando Beach, and I was teaching school in Jacksonville and writing songs and so forth, and uh, he said, could you slip him on a Colonel Tom Parker Packet, and I said, well, let me see what I can show, and I called the editor of the paper not to write about Elvis or anything like that, but to add and support uh, the show itself, get some more publicity, so I said, told him, yes, I could uh, uh, let him put him on for $50, and so he and Scott and Bill came for $50 a night to Jacksonville, Orlando, and Daytona, and Chris, I didn't even know him, I said, what's his name, and he said, Elvis Presley. I saw this young man get up. Nobody had ever heard of him or seen him. And they went absolutely wild over him. He tore the show up. And so, of course, when Colonel Tom came in, he said, May, who is this? And I said, don't worry about it, Colonel. I said, it doesn't cost you a penny. And when he heard him, by the time we got to Daytona, why, well, he knew he had a winner there and was wanting him. When May first met Elvis, she felt he had everything he needed to become a star, except a hit song. So jokingly, she promised Elvis in this way, quote, You need a million solar and I'm going to write it for you, unquote. May also had her own television show, and she was one of the few who had Elvis do an interview before Elvis became a big star. Here's an excerpt of that rare interview with Elvis when he was just starting out in the business on May Axton's TV show. Gosh, he sounds young. <laughs> he was. 
Just make it May. Okay, May. Yeah, that, that, makes it, that makes it better. Well, that's fine. That's fine. So, uh, Elvis, uh, uh, you are um, uh, sort of a bebop artist more than anything else, aren't you? Is oh. that what you call you? Well, I never have given myself a name, but uh, a lot of the disc jockeys call me... Uh, uh, bopping hillbilly and bebop. I don't know what. Sort of a combination of things, but I've uh, seen you perform, and you're a terrific performer. And you. a lot of my uh, listeners have seen you, and they've heard your records, and they think they're very wonderful. And of course, you really skyrocketed the fame on That's All Right, Mama. Wasn't that the one? Well, yes, ma'am. That was the one that got me on my way and everything. It's kind of. And, uh, and uh, on Sun Records, I believe. Well, that's right. I think that's very fine, and you started touring the country, and you've, you've covered a lot of territory in the last few months, I believe. Uh, yes, ma'am. I've covered a lot, mostly in in West Texas, that's where I've, that's where my records are hottest, uh-huh. around in uh, San Angelo and Lubbock and Midland and Amarillo. And they tell me that they almost mob you there, the the teenagers. <laughs> they like you so much. But you know, I happen to know that you have toured all down in the eastern part of the country too, down through Florida and around, and that the people went for you there about as well as out in West Texas. Isn't that right? Well, uh, I I wasn't very well known down here. I mean, you know, I'm just with a small company and. Uh, uh, my records don't have a distribution that they should have, but... Uh, well, of course, that, that that's coming. You know, it takes a little bit of time for that. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, some of the people who've been in the business 20 years, they're just... Uh, it takes that long to get distribution all over the United States. But I think you are one of the fastest-rising young stars, perhaps, in the field. And mm-hmm. I know that uh, the people go for You know, I watched you perform one time down in Florida, and... Uh, uh, I noticed that the older people got about as big a kick out of you as the teenagers. I thought that was an amazing thing. <laughs> well, uh, I imagine just the way we, all three of us, move on the stage. We act like we just... Yes, and we mustn't le- leave out Scotty and Bill, who really do a terrific job in backing you up. Well, they, they sure do. I, I really, really am, uh, really am uh, lucky to have those two boys, because they really, really are good. Each one of them has an individual style of his own, and... Do you know what I can't understand is how you keep that leg shaking just just at the right <laughs> tempo all the time you're singing. Well, I, it gets tired sometimes. I had to stop and rest it, but <laughs> it just automatically wiggles like that. Is that is that it? Just automatically does it. You started back in high school, didn't you? Uh, singing uh, for around public performances for school and things of that sort. Well, no, I never did sing anywhere in public in my life till I made this first record. Is that uh, right? Yes, ma'am. And, and then you just went right on and you to their hearts and... And you're doing a wonderful job, and I want to congratulate you on that. And I want to say, too, Elvis, it's been very nice having you in the studio today. Well, well thank you very much, May. And I'd I like to personally thank you for really promoting my records down here because you really have done a wonderful job, and uh, uh, I really do appreciate it because if, if you don't have people backing you, people pushing you, well, you might as well quit. Well, you're right there. Uh, I do not deserve the credit, though. It's my wonderful friends and listeners. Uh, all over the country who uh, should be given that credit because they deserve it and they're very fine people and very fine friends of yours. I'll tell you what let's do for those fine friends right now. Let's uh, play your latest number. How about that? Okay, it's a good deal. All right. Tommy Durden, who wrote the lyrics, said he was inspired by a newspaper story about a man who killed himself and left behind a note saying only, quote, I walk a lonely street, unquote. Tommy then brought the idea and some of the lyrics he had written to May Axton where they discussed how they could turn the newspaper article into a song. Axton suggested that there be a heartbreak hotel at the end of the lonely street and with that flash of inspiration the pair was off and running. Painting a picture of a place where broken-hearted lovers cry away their gloom and the desk clerks dressed in black 
So the song was written with May, writing the music and helping with the lyrics. Here's Tommy himself explaining how he got the idea for the song during an interview with Michigan Magazine. And I got the Miami Herald every morning. I saw this little item one day that a man had killed himself and all he left in the way of a suicide note was I walk a lonely street. And that just struck me as being very, uh, very lonely. He must have been extremely lonely. So I started working on that idea, and I knew May Axton. She was a school teacher and uh, songwriter, and also did some public relation work for uh, Grand Ole Opry shows, including Tom Parker and Oscar Davis, the groups that he would bring in. So Tom Parker was uh, Elvis's manager then? He was. He had just, uh, just taken over as Elvis's manager and had engineered the deal to the RCA to buy his record contract from Sam Phillips of Sun. So I took my idea to Jacksonville. I was working a television show at the time on a Saturday out of Jacksonville. And I went up there and I went over to May's house and I told her, I said, I have a good, good idea for a good blues. But I need some help and I think that you and I can do it. So we sat, she sat down at the piano and I walked around, walked around. And in less than half an hour, we had the song. Because there were two writers on this song, let's hear May Axton's version of how Heartbreak Hotel came to be with their interview with Bob Berry's Unearthed Podcast. How did you get the idea to write Heartbreak Hotel? It came from a suicide note. This uh, man, there was a picture of a man in the newspaper. I hadn't seen it. Tommy Durden came in and said, have you read the paper? And I said, no. And the picture was on the paper. And I said, can you identify this man? And he had torn out all of his identification and had written one sentence, I walk a lonely street and killed himself. And that was a very, it stunned me as it had disturbed and stunned Tommy. And when that someone sees this, then they're going to uh, be heartbroken. So let's put a heartbreak hotel at the end of that lonely street. Hmm. He said, let's do. And 22 minutes later, we had the song on tape. Buddy Killen worked for Tree Music Publishing Company before becoming the head of that company in 1989. May brought him a demo of Heartbreak Hotel recorded by Glenn Reeves. Buddy ended up helping get the song recorded by Elvis and explained how Elvis got to sing the song the way that he did. Here's Buddy explaining that story on the Vault series with Jay Chambers. So after the show, she comes over, back over to the club, and during a break, I said, hey, you've written some songs for other people before. How about writing something for me? She said, uh, and uh, I said, I'm working for a publishing company. And she said, well, I've got one song. It's a song called Heartbreak Hotel. And I said, well, who would it be good for? She said, well, we wrote it for Elvis. And I said, well, well great. She said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll send you a little tape on it. When I got home a couple of weeks later, there was a little five-minute reel, and it had Heartbreak Hotel on it. And Glenn Reeves, who was a disc jockey down in Jacksonville, had done the demo for May. She and Tommy Durden had written it. But they, uh, Glenn sang it like Elvis. He copied Elvis' style. Well, when we got the song to Elvis and he recorded it, Elvis was notorious for copying 
the nuances of the the singers on the record. Mm -hmm. The heart the Heartbreak Hotel, that big record that you hear today, was Elvis singing like Glenn Reeves, singing like Elvis. That was it was he, he just copied his performance, and it was a huge hit. It just became so big that. I mean, I didn't know what was happening around me. May Axton then took the demo with Glenn Reeves singing to Elvis while he was on the road. His reaction was immediate. He said, quote, Hot dog, May, play it again, unquote. He had said that it reminded him a little of Roy Brown's Hard Luck Blues. He quickly added the song to his live repertoire, changing one line of the lyric from, quote, they pray to die, unquote, and he changed it to, quote, they could die, unquote. Elvis really felt this was the song that was going to bring him into the big time. He said he felt it was a hit the moment he heard it. On January 10th, 1956, two days after his 21st birthday, Elvis recorded his first five sides at RCA Studio B in Nashville. Among those five songs was Heartbreak Hotel. The producer was Steve Scholes with Bob Ferris Engineering. The band included guitarist Scotty Moore, bassist Bill Black, drummer DJ Fontana, and Chet Atkins on guitar with Floyd Kramer on piano. And the vocal group, the Jordanaires. The echoey atmosphere punctuated by Fontana's rim shots and Moore's tinny guitar were a perfect match with Elvis's heart-wrenching vocal. There were many covers of Heartbreak Hotel, some by unexpected artists. Let's hear some of them. Connie Francis recorded it. Well, since my baby left me, well, I found a new place to dwell. Well, it's down at the end of Lonely Street. That's Heartbreak Hotel where I'll live. I'll be so lonely, baby. I'll be so lonely. I'll be so lonely. I could die. Neil Diamond and Kim Carnes did a version. Since my baby left me, I found a new place to dwell. It's down at the end of Lonely Street. It's Heartbreak Hotel, yes. I'm there so lonely, baby. I'm there so lonely. I'm there so lonely. I could die. Though it's always crowded, you still can find some room for broken-hearted lovers to cry there in their gloom. Willie Nelson and Leon Russell had a number one version of the song in country music. And Elvis's good friend Ann Margaret 
who we met during the shooting of Viva Las Vegas, also had a version. Since my baby left me, I found a new place to dwell. Down the end of Lonely Street at a break hotel And I'm so, I'm so lonely I'm so lonely I'm so lonely I could die And cover songs would not be complete without Pat Boone, who did so many covers. Listen. Since my baby left me I found a new place to dwell It's down at the end of Lonely Street At Heartbreak Hotel And I'm so lonely so lonely I'm so lonely I could die The story didn't end here. Rolling Stone magazine decided to do some in-depth research about the true story of this man who inspired the song and left that suicide note, I walked a lonely street. They found out that in reality... It was about an artist named Alvin Krolik. Supposedly, Krolik was working on an autobiography about his life story in the hopes of deterring others from the path he followed. Rolling Stone quotes a publisher who cited Krolik's book in which he allegedly wrote the following, quote, If you stand on a corner with a pack of cigarettes or a bottle and have nothing to do in life, I suggest you sit down and think. This is the story of a person who walked a lonely street. I hope this will help someone in the future. Unquote. But here's what really happened. Krolik's news article circulated all over the country with headlines referencing his supported, quote, lonely street, unquote, which apparently was misconstrued that this was a suicide note and he killed himself. What actually happened was Krolik turned himself in to Chicago police in 1953 as the armed robber behind a string of liquor store and hotel burglaries. This would-be artist and author impressed the police with his forthrightness and his detailed explanation of the crimes in which he'd been disguising his facial features using oil paints. Krolik explained that the spark for his crime spree was the five-week failed marriage to a nightclub accordionist named Agnes Simpson that had broken his heart. Krolik wasn't really done with the crime, as he claimed, and after staying on the right side of the law for a while, he was killed in an attempted robbery of the Busy Bee Liquor and Tackle Store in El Paso, Texas, in the summer of 1955. The liquor store's owner fired nine shots from two of his eight pistols he kept behind the counter. 
the shooting was ruled a justifiable homicide. Let's hear a comedy parody of Heartbreak Hotel, recorded in 1956, who did so many satires of songs. It's Stan Freeberg doing his take on Heartbreak Hotel. Listen. Well, since my baby left me, well, I found a new place to dwell. When it's down at the end of lonely streamlet, Heartbreak Hotel, well, I'll be, I'll be so lonely, baby. I'll be so lonely, baby. I'll be so lonely, I could die. Could I have a little more echo on my voice? Although it's always crowded, that's got it. You still can find some room. For broken hearted lovers to cry there in the gloom And be so, and be so lovely, baby And be so lovely, baby And be so lovely, they can die Now the bellops' tears keep flowing The desk clerk's dress in black Well, they've been so long and lonely Well, they let her, they let her get back And they let her so lovely, so lovely, like a Well, now if your baby leaves you And you got to tell the tech When you take who won't tell lovely street Heartbreak hotel Where you will be Or rip my jeans Where you will be third pair today You'll be so lovely You could die that's good, that's good, that's close enough for jazz Although it's always crowded You still can find some room For broken hearted lovers To cry there in the blue Elvis and Johnny Cash were good friends. Many times they had fun imitating each other. At a live show, Johnny Cash kind of combed his hair like Elvis on stage, singing Heartbreak Hotel. Try to imagine it, as the fans loved it, when Johnny Cash made all the moves and imitated the King's voice. Listen. Thank you very much. You know, just about on all of our shows and wherever we go, we usually do an impersonation. We had a request here tonight to do an impersonation of a rock and roll singer. Well, since my baby left me, well, I find a new place to dwell. Well, it's down at the end of the street at Heartbreak Hotel. You'll be so long. You'll be so long. You'll be so long. You could die. (laughs) 
Though Tommy Durden and May Axton are responsible for penning the song, Ephesus' name would appear on the finished record as a third writer. It's common knowledge that the colonel often insisted that his boy get co-writing credit in exchange for cutting a song. But in later years, May Axton insisted that the shared credit was her promise made good to help Elvis buy a house in Florida for his parents. Now, after Elvis had a number one record with Heartbreak Hotel in March 1956, he had so many other songs that were hits in 1956 alone. Let's hear some of them for your recollection. Enjoy. politics in a way. Bill Clinton's first U.S. presidential campaign restored a much-needed boost when he played Heartbreak Hotel on the saxophone as a guest on the Arsenio Hall show. Let's hear that song we've been talking about today in its entirety. It's Elvis Presley's first monstrous hit, Heartbreak Hotel. Well, since my baby left me, well, I found a new place to dwell. Well, it's down at the end of Lone Street, that Heartbreak Hotel where 
I'll be so lonely I could die Although it's always crowded You still can find some room For broken hearted lovers To cry there in the gloom I'll be so lonely, baby I'll be so lonely I'll be so lonely They could die Keep flowing, the death clerk's dress in black. Well, they've been so long on the street, they'll never, never look back and think it's so, think it's so lonely, baby. Well, they're so lonely, well, they're so lonely, and they could die. Well, if your baby leaves you, you got a tale to tell. Well, just take a walk down the This is Dr. Marv Rosenberg of the Safaris. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please tune in to the next episode of The Anatomy of a Hit. Goodbye, everybody.